Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Get home today, but I guess that's that's a wing and a prayer today. Tonight, bad weather cancels ferry sailings, but it's just the tip of a weather iceberg. Plus. And now that we know what happened, we're angry. Members of our Iranian community react to the news their loved ones were killed accidentally by an Iranian missile. And we need to be vigilant. The fight over a controversial northern B.C. pipeline comes to downtown Vancouver. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Nasty winter weather is once again scuttling travel plans for B.C. ferry passengers. Strong winds meant several sailings to and from Vancouver Island have been cancelled. But this is the calm before the next storm. Starting tomorrow, we expect more snow. And as Nadia Stewart reports, a drop in temperature means it's going to stick around. By Saturday morning in Prince George, over 20 centimeters of snow had fallen in 24 hours, prompting City Hall to issue a heavy snowfall declaration. All this snow means crews might not be able to clear the streets as quickly as usual. But while the snow appears to be tapering off here in the Okanagan... It hasn't been too cold here this winter yet, but it's coming. It's about to get bitterly cold. An Arctic air mass moving in through the interior, bringing with it a strong north wind that'll send temperatures plummeting to minus 30 or even 40 below once the wind chill is factored in. The cold weather isn't my favorite, but, um, you know, you, you deal with it and you make the most of it. We don't have much of a choice. we got to just deal with it. Meanwhile, people on the coast are dealing with the wind. A Vancouver farmer's market was forced to close early, and anyone trying to get to Vancouver Island instead spent much of Saturday dealing with delays. Gusty conditions led to cancellations. BC Ferries vessels unable to depart until the winds let up a bit, leading to the usual long lines and thwarted weekend travel plans. It's put a damper in my day. Makes for a long day. But we'd like to get home today, but... I guess that's, that's a wing in a prayer today. Well, I guess we're just going to wait and hang out. Yeah. yeah, we have a hotel over there right now, so... Supposed to take a vacation, but we'll see. But it is not over yet. There is snow, rain, and the always unpleasant mix of both in the forecast for much of the metro area. Higher elevations could see up to 15 centimeters by Sunday afternoon. Well, it's still a bit unclear what folks in Surrey and Langley will see. The usual warnings to drive and dress for the conditions apply as the first real winter blast of the year sweeps across the region. Nadia Stork, Global News. 
Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with what we can expect, Yvonne. Colleen, uh, the wind warning has ended across Metro Vancouver, but the peak today, a gust over 70 kilometers per hour. It'll still be windy this evening, just below wind warning criteria, and we'll see the winds ranging between 30 and potentially up to 60 kilometers per hour through the day tomorrow, especially if you're closer to the water. Big weather story, though. We've got the ingredients. The next system pushing in, Weathermaker bringing snow. It's beginning this evening, it'll start to develop higher elevations, the usual spot. That's what we'll be seeing, accumulating snowfall with up to 15 centimetres. It continues into the morning hours, and then by late day tomorrow, just past the noon hour, it'll start to ease off. A quick snapshot of a couple of the areas across Metro Vancouver, so higher elevations, Burnaby Mountain, Westwood Westwood Plateau, up to 15 centimetres. Burnaby and New West, up to 10. Surrey and Langley, there's some uncertainty. It'll likely be rain mixed with snow, and areas near Richmond and Ladner and Tawasson will mostly be tracking rain. Big weather story also is the cold Arctic temperatures. I'll have more on that coming up shortly. Colleen? All right, Yvonne, thank you. A 17-year-old boy has been killed in an early morning crash in West Vancouver. The collision happened in the 6300 block of Marine Drive at about 4 a.m. Police say the BMW that the North Vancouver teen was driving slid sideways and slammed into a power pole. A 19-year-old female passenger was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. West Vancouver police say speed was likely a factor and are asking to speak with any witnesses to the crash. Police on Vancouver Island believe drugs are behind a crash that sent a 19-year-old driver and his passenger into a tree in Oak Bay's Queen's Park early Friday. The pair escaped with only minor injuries after the 2 a.m. collision, but police say they could have ended up in the ocean. Oak Bay police say the young driver could be charged with impaired driving and that he chose to learn the hard way. Burnaby RCMP stopped three vehicles in a row near Marine Drive and Boundary Road, allegedly for excessive speeding. Traffic enforcement officers say they were going 100 kilometers an hour in a 50K zone, with the last driver also being distracted. Police say too many motorists are treating the area as if it were the Trans-Canada Highway. It is confirmation of what many around the world had suspected in this week's deadly downing of that Ukrainian passenger plane. Iran's Revolutionary Guard has now admitted it shot down the jetliner by accident. All 176 people on board were killed, including 57 Canadians. The admission prompted hundreds to protest outside a university in Tehran. Today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says his focus is on justice for those who perished. I am, of course, uh, outraged and uh, furious that uh, families across this country are grieving the loss of their loved ones, that the uh, Iranian-Canadian community is suffering so greatly that all Canadians are shocked and appalled at the senseless loss of life. BC's Iranian community has been holding vigils for those killed in the tragedy of Flight 752. Paul Johnson has more on what some of them have to say about Iran's admission. And now that we know what happened, we're angry. Sharak Ferdowsi of Surrey tells the story of how the aviation tragedy in Iran has touched his family. His 45-year-old cousin Farhad died on the plane on his way back to Canada where he worked as a dentist near Toronto. Because he was such a, he was bigger than life. As I said, I wish it was me, because I never had that kind of impact in anyone's life. Chirac was one of several dozen Canadians of Iranian descent who turned out in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery Saturday to share their grief and rage. 
While some wanted to quietly acknowledge their loss, others seized on this moment as a call for action to denounce the regime in Tehran, which they say has little respect for human life. In the last 40 years of Islamic regime of Iran, shame on you! Shame on you! Saturday also saw a response from Prime Minister Trudeau, who briefed Canadians on his phone call with Iranian President Hassan Rousani, who admitted to him the plane had been accidentally shot down by an Iranian air defense battery, apparently mistaking the Boeing 737 for an American cruise missile. Shooting down a civilian aircraft is horrific. Iran must take full responsibility. With heartbroken Canadians like this scattered in cities across the country, Trudeau said Ottawa has launched an emergency task force to assist with those grieving. While every aviation disaster is a blow to the heart, one caused by a combination of conflict and incompetence, feels especially pointless. We did not have any better than this guy, and now we lost him. We lost him forever. So the question is why? I saw her. It's only 45. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. A celebration of life was held in North Vancouver today to honor the lives of a BC couple. Saket and Faye Kazarani, who died on Flight 752. A family member confirmed the couple's death and says that Daniel worked as an engineer, Faye was a hygienist. Those remembering Daniel paid tribute to his kind nature. Any type of question is either engineering or, or any other information, he was there to help. And, and the good thing that he was there to help with, with, the, with the kind gesture, not just the wanting to do it as a responsibility. He was doing it just to be helpful to all the neighbors. That's why, you know, the last AGM, I was not in the last AGM, but my son said everybody in the building just gave him a big cross because, uh, because he was so wonderful to everyone. Langley RCMP are asking for your help to find a retired Vancouver firefighter who went missing yesterday. 63-year-old Clifford Neal Smith was last seen at 10.30 yesterday morning at his Murrayville home. His family says he may be disoriented. Smith left in his charcoal gray 2015 Ford F-150 crew cab truck, which has a canopy and damage to the right rear bumper. It also has a firefighter's decal on the front windshield. Smith is six feet tall, balding with a gray mustache and a slender build. He's believed to be wearing metal-rimmed glasses, a dark jacket, and jeans. Port Moody police are searching for a man reported missing by his mother. 27-year-old Christopher Paul Lambert is wanted on several outstanding arrest warrants and is facing a charge for assault for an alleged incident on October 29th, the day he was last seen in Port Moody. Lambert's last known address was in Port Moody, but he has family connections in Surrey and Vancouver, where he's known to frequent the downtown east side. A major show of support in downtown Vancouver today for members of the Wet'suwet'en Nation. Its hereditary chief and their supporters have been blocking the construction of a natural gas pipeline in north-central B.C. As Jill Bennett reports, police could move in at any time to enforce an injunction ordering out opponents of the controversial project to clear the way for workers. More than 400 people took part in this march and rally in Vancouver, voicing opposition to a natural gas pipeline project more than 1,100 kilometers away. 
We have our own laws. We never gave them up. The court order deadline to remove any obstructions of coastal gas link workers has already passed, meaning the company is in a position to remove them. The company maintains, though, a peaceful resolution is still the best outcome. Those protesting say that's not going to happen. It is the hereditary chiefs who are the authority on Wet'suwet'en land. Those opposed to the project say Coastal GasLink didn't get consent from the hereditary chiefs who have say over and above the First Nations 20 elected band councils who approved the $6.6 billion project. Basically, everything that we know about Aboriginal's title uh, in terms of the principles have already been decided upon in the courts of BC and Canada. And the rights and title case law that we're talking about is something that even uh, John Horgan and his government admitted has to be abided by. Saturday's march and rally also heard from some high-profile members of the community. We need to be vigilant. We need to stay in very close contact with the Wet'suwet'en people on the front lines. What is going on now is a battle against corporations and the capitalist system where they are determined to extract every bit out of this planet regardless of what the consequences are. RCMP confirm a series of meetings between the RCMP and hereditary chiefs has been scheduled in an effort to reach a peaceful resolution. Jill Bennett, Global News. Another earthquake has rocked Puerto Rico. The 5.9 magnitude quake struck along the U.S. territory's southern coast earlier this morning, causing landslides and damaging homes. The region is still trying to recover from Tuesday's 6.4 quake. That one killed at least one person and knocked out power across the island. Thousands of homes and buildings have structural damage. More than 4,000 people are in shelters, many fearful of returning to their homes. Tomorrow will mark the 10-year anniversary of the powerful earthquake that devastated Haiti. It completely crippled the Caribbean island and compounded the already grim reality for orphans and thousands more who would find themselves homeless or suffering the loss of loved ones. It's been a long road for so many, but tonight there is some hope, thanks to an organization with deep Canadian ties. Anthony Robart reports from Haiti. These children are orphans of the 2010 earthquake. Just a few of the tens of thousands in this country left without parents after the disaster. Kitley arrived at this orphanage in Port-au-Prince when she was nine months old. She weighed just nine pounds. If it wasn't for the orphanage, she says, I would have died. Today, she has found a home and hope at the place which promises both. Gladys Thomas founded this orphanage and school 37 years ago. She says it was her calling after being paralyzed when she was eight and spent countless months alone in a hospital bed. So I learned what it was then, how it was to be abandoned, how to be in pain how to be sick and not have anybody. And Canada has become this orphanage's extended family. It's been able to keep going in large part because of Canadian donations. And Hope Home has adopted out as many as a thousand children to Canadian families. But 10 years ago, Espoir, 
the Creole word for hope is what so many here in Haiti had trouble believing in. Like he did not make, like, I met Francisco else. Auguste at an orphanage and school run by a Christian ministry a few days after the earthquake. He was 14 years old at the time. His brother, who was killed, was just 10. The wall had fallen and many other houses um, had fallen, but um, obviously after searching for him and calling out for him for, for a while, we um, realized that he had not made it out of, um, out of the house. This is Francisco today. He just graduated with a master's degree from Auburn University in Alabama. He just took a job in Oklahoma as a business analyst with a software company. Resilience is an understatement. It was really not something I ever thought about or ever dreamed of really. And to see all the doors that have been opened, all the opportunities that I've got. For Francisco today, Espoir has a whole new meaning. I'm definitely um, gonna go back. I'm definitely gonna find ways to help the country. Anthony Robart, Global News. At least 12 people are dead after a boat sank off an island in Greece. 21 people were rescued from the boat. Authorities say they believe 50 people were on board the vessel. They also say the boat was carrying migrants from Turkey to Greece. There's no further information on what caused it to sink. As many British Columbians brace for cold and snow, parts of the southern U.S. have been hit hard by wild weather that's turned deadly. A line of severe storms is making its way across southern states, bringing heavy rain, strong winds, tornadoes, and property damage. In Pickens County, Alabama, not far from the Mississippi state line, at least three people were killed when an apparent tornado blew through Saturday morning. The sheriff says a search is underway for other potential victims as crews clear trees and power lines from the area. The fast-moving but dangerous storm, part of a line crossing the country, stretching from the Gulf of Mexico to Canada, bringing heavy rain, high winds, and even ice and snow to the entire Mississippi Valley. In Lubbock, Texas, a firefighter and a police officer who responded to two accidents on Interstate 27 were killed Saturday when another car crossed the median and struck them. Another firefighter also struck as in critical condition. It's a huge loss for uh, the public safety community here and it was very unnecessary. Uh, if people would respect road conditions, um, things like this wouldn't have to happen. It was the second straight day of deadly weather this system has spawned. Three people died in Louisiana overnight, including an elderly couple near Shreveport. Their mobile home was found 200 feet away from its foundation. Tens of thousands of people are without power from the Midwest through the deep south. The storm is quickly moving east, but leaving down trees and power lines in its wake. Chris Pallone, NBC News. The death toll from Australia's wildfires rose today. A firefighter was killed when two blazes ripping through an alpine region merged into one mega fire. Crews are hoping rain overnight will help them get a handle on that blaze, which is about 10 times the size of Toronto. People there are still being warned to leave now before conditions flare up. Lightning from the cool change has sparked dozens of new fires and created unpredictable winds. Canadian firefighters are doing all they can, including this volunteer from Alberta who paid his own way to get there. Australia's wildlife has been devastated by wildfires that have raged across parts of the country for months. Veterinarians and volunteers are working around the clock to save as many animals as they can. It's estimated a staggering one billion animals have perished in the fires, a number that's expected to keep growing. 
At least 20 people have been killed in a fiery bus crash on a highway in northern India. Police say the double-decker bus burst into flames after colliding with a truck. Another 21 people have been taken to hospital, some in critical condition. At this point, it's believed the truck driver lost control of his vehicle. And deadly bus accidents are common in India. Close to 150,000 people die every year on India's roads. A Japanese billionaire is giving away $9 million to his Twitter followers in what he says is a social experiment to see if the payments boost their happiness. Yusaku Meizama made his fortune in the fashion industry. On New Year's Day, he announced on social media that he would give away 1 million yen, about $9,000 U.S., to 1,000 of his followers. The recipients will be selected at random with the impact of the money to be tracked through through regular surveys. He says he hopes to attract the interest of academics and and economists. He's known for his high spending on art and sports cars, but also likes to muse on ideas like a world without money. In health matters, health authorities in China are reporting the first death linked to a new type of coronavirus. The outbreak is happening in the central Chinese city of Wuhan. Doctors say a total of 41 people are suffering from pneumonia caused by the virus. Seven of them are in critical condition. Another 739 people were in close contact with those patients, including 419 medical workers. They've been placed under medical observation, but no related cases have been detected so far. The outbreak is stirring fears of the deadly SARS virus that broke out more than a decade ago. Patients with sleep apnea could see improvements by losing fat in their tongues. Researchers from the University of Pennsylvania used an MRI to see how weight loss affected the upper airways in obese patients. They found reducing tongue fat was the key factor in improving sleep apnea. Experts say future studies could look at which diets are better than others in reducing tongue fat. University of Calgary students have made a discovery that's out of this world, but has a lot to do with this world. They've astounded the scientific community by discovering a magnetic field in our galaxy, the Milky Way, a kind of glue that holds it all together. As Krista Dow reports, it's a big breakthrough in understanding more about our universe. This high RMs is so far away from any. It's a discovery of cosmic proportions a previously unknown magnetic structure or fingerprint, if you will, buried deep inside our galaxy. The first reaction was disbelief, kind of skeptical of if this was a real signature or if it was some false detection. But the math checks out. What Russell Shanahan and Stephen Lemmer found was an invisible magnetic field in the Sagittarius arm of the Milky Way. It's more like the muscles of the body in that it gives you the structure. It holds up other things, the material in the galaxy, the material in all of space, really. Scientists say the discovery is significant because it maps out a clearer picture of our galaxy's composition. As well, it has astronomical implications in understanding how stars are formed. With stars comes planets and the potential for life, so we've got far-reaching implications for what we found here. We all met in Berlin when we presented this result to the rest of our colleagues. There was an audible gasp. It was a little bit shocking. The advancements in technology making this discovery possible since the 80s. Scientists have been looking in this area, but telescopes were unequipped 
until now. The measurements that we had so far gave us a picture of the Milky Way and, uh, and the magnetic field that was actually completely different from what it really was. The years-long research finally paid off. The finding was published in the Astrophysical Journal, sparking international interest and kicking off additional research and follow-up. The bigger international team is putting in proposals. There is theoretical work now going on. When you put a bunch of mines into one room, you can find some cool stuff. A made-in-Canada discovery that's helping fill in the blanks of some of life's greatest mysteries. Krista Dow, Global News. Uh, we know she's in B.C., but now we're learning about how and why Meghan Markle may lend her voice to a Disney project. That and more right after the forecast. And Yvonne, what I'm curious to know, because mm -hmm. we know it's going to snow tomorrow, but when's it going to get really, really, really cold? Into next week, but a few spots in the interior already picking up for Sunday, Monday. Wind chill potentially minus 30 to minus 40. So I'll have more on that and how long it will last in just a moment. A glance at what we are seeing. So, so there is some precipitation moving in the form of rain right now. It is going to intensify. We've got the ingredients with cold Arctic air and this low that is going to push in across the southern half of the province. So we are looking at some snow. Temperatures right now sitting at 5 and northwesterly wind at 28 kilometers per hour. Still continue to be very windy leading into the afternoon with 30 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. So this evening, late and overnight, rain does intensify. It's higher elevations, accumulating snowfall up to 15 centimeters, continuing overnight and then easing off closer towards the noon hour. By the afternoon, some breaks will be on the way. We'll still see windy conditions and it does start to dry up and then the cold temperatures are going to sink in right across the south coast. Here's a look at the timeline of a few of the spots. So higher elevations for Burnaby Mountain, Westwood Plateau up to 15 centimeters by tomorrow afternoon. Burnaby and New West it'll likely be wet snow mixed with rain. Surrey and Langley we do have some uncertainty so we've got a southerly flow that can make it rain or rain mixed with snow and then Richmond Delta, Twaston and Ladner. It'll be mostly rain this evening and continuing for the morning hours. Mountain passes though a significant amount of snow the Kootenai Pass with the snowfall warning. These amounts by tomorrow, so it continues through the day with up to 25 centimeters. Sea to sky if you're heading to Whistler there and back, up to 20 centimeters. The Coquihalla hope to merit 20 and merit to Kamloops lesser amounts between 10 and up to 20 centimeters. The connector tonight and tomorrow up to 15. Allison Pass 20. Rogers Pass 5 centimeters and Highway 97 for the Begbie Summit 5 and up to 10 centimeters. The following warnings in place. We've got this extreme cold Arctic air mass pushing in across the province. Arctic outflow warning for the northern half. Coastal areas with the wind chill at minus 20. The northeastern corners of the province, wind chill at minus 45. And the southern half pushing in towards the interior. Southeastern corners, minus 30 to minus 40. And this continues into early next week. We can see that on the temperature trend for a few areas. But first off, a look at tonight's lows with the wind chill. The peace feeling closer to minus 47 in areas near Whitehorse at minus 56. The northeastern corners of the province continuing to be cold into next week. We could see that with the temperature trend. Most areas in the Caribou and Central Interior, a bit of a reprieve will be later on in the week and leading into next weekend. Kelowna will see those temperatures sinking in both Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, likely the coldest with the wind chill, feeling closer into the minus 20s. Northern half of the province will see some breaks for tomorrow. It does start to ease off. The snowfall across the Central Interior, it's just a chance of flurries and much of the Southern Interior, 5 and up to 10 centimeters. Higher amounts intensifying, though, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, it'll continue through the day.
Windy conditions paired with snowfall, so we'll continue to track that overnight and for the early morning hours. It'll be temperature dependent, so keep a close eye on that. Winds tomorrow 30 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. Easing off by the afternoon tomorrow in a nice bright spot, but very chilly into early next week. Colleen, Tuesday, for example, overnight minus 11, so bundle up. It's colder here than in Toronto. Yeah, That's yes. just not right. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. Well, it's only been a few days since the Duke and Duchess of Sussex announced they're stepping back from their royal roles and may want to make their own way in the world. But there are reports Meghan has already signed a deal with a major company. British media reporting she has agreed to record a voiceover for Disney in return for a donation to the charity Elephants Without Borders. On Wednesday, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex unexpectedly announced they are stepping back from their senior roles as royals to spend more time in North America and to work on becoming financially independent. A palace source says Harry and will join the Queen, Prince Charles and Prince William at the Queen's county, country estate for crisis talks on Monday. It will be the first face-to-face -face meeting of the senior royals since Harry and Meghan announced their plans to step back from some royal duties. The source said Meghan, who is on Vancouver Island with baby Archie, is expected to join the meeting by phone. The Queen has indicated she wants this complicated issue to be resolved in days rather than weeks. So this is the story that just keeps on going. Mm -hmm. Family oh. dynamics. Yeah. Well, it's you know, <laughs> a little bit I, of a different kind of drama. I almost want to say it makes us all feel a little bit better because they've got family issues mm -hmm. too. <laughs> different kind. Different yeah. kind. <laughs> not typical. No, certainly yeah. not. How are you? I'm good. good. I guess you got your royal blues on. Okay. We're all matchy-matchy. That's good. The royal thing. Uh, a tribute to them, I guess. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. Something like that. Yeah, or maybe the Canucks. They wear blue, too. They uh, <laughs> had not had a good start to their road trip in Florida, but they've moved north, played Buffalo today, and they won. So we'll have highlights of that. We'll preview the Seahawks' uh, big playoff game tomorrow and uh, also show you some other NFL stuff. So lots Looking coming forward. on. All right. Thanks, Barry. Barry's here with a look at sports now. It's the time of the year when uh, NHL teams cannot mess around. they got to... Yeah, I mean, the Canucks went on the seven-game win streak, and they lost once, and they were out of the playoffs. That tells you how tight it is. And you yeah. win, you're back in. So lots of fun stuff over the next three months. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Colleen. Well, now that their uh, seven-game win streak is a distant memory, the Canucks needed a win in Buffalo badly this afternoon to stop the bleeding on a two-game losing skid that's seen them get outscored 14-4. to The Sabres, though, have scuffled of late. Seven losses in their past ten, so a real opportunity for the Canucks to get back on track. Track. Bo Horvat, like many Southern Ontario boys on the Canucks, had a lot of friends and family in Buffalo. First period, Sabres open the scoring. Brandon Montour winds and fires past Jacob Markstrom. one nothing. Buffalo. Canucks answer, though, Brock Besser with the deflection of the Troy Stetcher shot. And it's a great deflection. His back is to the net, but gets his stick down and tips it in. His 15th, it's 1-1. Second period. Canucks take the lead. It's Horvat trying to pass to Quinn Hughes. Puck is blocked, comes right back on Bo Stick. He will happily knock in his 13th to make it 2-1. Sabres answer on the power play. West Vancouver boy Sam Reinhart with the one-timer. Markstrom got a piece, but Reinhart powers it through. Number 15 for Sam, 2-2 after two. That sets up a wild third. The Canucks force the turnover. JT Miller does it all himself. First shot stopped, but he stays with it and whips in the rebound for his 16th. Canucks back in front 3-2. How good 
has JT Miller been? He does it all for the Canucks. Face-off, leadership, power play, he can score. Sabres tied it again, but then the Canucks regain the lead for good. Chris Tanev and Besser combining. Besser pulling the trigger on his second of the game, 16th of the year. And this time the Canucks built on the lead. During a delayed penalty, great play by Tyler Mott. Don't fancy him much as a playmaker. That's a great pass over there to Jake Bertanen, who rips the one-timer. Number 13 for Jake. 5-3 Canucks. And then they wrap it up. Sabres goalie out. Bo Horvat misses here, but follows up and feeds Louis Erickson for the empty netter. Louis fourth. That's his 36th goal as a Canuck in three and a half years, matching his $36 million contract. They play at Minnesota tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Canucks back in a playoff spot, by the way, with that win. The Canucks now have a third player going to the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. Quinn Hughes was voted in by fans online as the final member of Team Pacific. Hughes has been the Canucks' best defenseman with four goals and 31 points in 44 games. He joins Jacob Markstrom and Elias Pettersson on Team Pacific. The Seahawks are on the road in Green Bay tomorrow with a trip to the NFC Championship on the line. More on that in a moment. But first, the NFC West champion 49ers had a chance to get to the conference final themselves earlier today if they could knock off the Vikings, who were fresh off their upset win over the Saints last week. Jimmy Garoppolo, first career playoff start. He's seen Tom Brady do it a lot when he was back there in New England as a backup. He looked great in his opening drive, marches the 49ers 61 yards on eight plays, capped by the short touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne. Jimmy likes it. 7-0 San Fran. Vikings respond on their first possession. Kirk Cousins to Stefan Diggs, who makes the adjustment, undercuts the defensive back, takes it in, 41 yards for the touchdown. So the Vikings answering right back. It's 7-7. Second quarter. 49ers will take the lead. Garoppolo play action finds the outstanding rookie Debo Samuel down to the one. The Niners would punch it in for the touchdown from there. They led 14-10 at the half. Third quarter, San Fran's defense coming up big. The former Seahawk Richard Sherman picks Kirk Cousins. And the 49ers have the ball in Vikings territory. And that leads to this. A short touchdown run from Tevin Coleman, 24-10, San Francisco. The Vikings just made too many mistakes in this one. Marcus Sherrills is going to muff that punt. Niners recover, led to a field goal, and the lead was then 17 at 27-10. The 49er defense just too much. Got to Cousins six times. San Fran, in impressive fashion, beat the Vikings 27-10. They are off to the NFC Championship game, which they will host next Sunday. In the AFC, top-seeded Ravens hosting the Titans, who upset the Patriots last week. Baltimore's sensational young quarterback, Lamar Jackson, 36 touchdown passes, 1,200 rush yards. He'll win the MVP, but... His uh, pass here is tipped and picked off by the Titans' Kevin Byard. Just Jackson's second interception in his last 255 throws, but you couldn't blame him much on a deflected pass. Titans turn the turnover into points. Third and goal, Ryan Tannehill to Johnny Smith, who uh, makes an incredible, uh, Jonu Smith rather, makes an incredible one-handed catch, stays in bounds, gets his left butt cheek down. How's that for precision? 7-0. Then after the Titans stopped Lamar Jackson on 4th and 1, Tannehill goes for it. A 45-yard missile to Khalif Raymond for the touchdown. 14-0 Titans. They lead 14-3. The Ravens are on a 12-game win streak, but they are in trouble. 
Welcome back. Tough news for Canadian tennis fans. Bianca Andreescu will not play in the first major of the season, the Australian Open. Andreescu's been rehabbing a knee injury for the past couple of months and isn't quite ready to go. She made history last year winning the U.S. Open, first Canadian ever to win a Grand Slam singles title. She is currently ranked fifth in the world. The Aussie Open begins a week from tomorrow in Melbourne. Well, despite the fact the Seahawks have won eight of nine road games this season, none of those wins have come at Lambeau Field, one of the toughest stadiums for visiting teams in the NFL. Seattle hasn't won there since 1999. Russell Wilson is 0-3 in his career on the frozen tundra, much to the delight of Packers fan Chanel, who gives us the cold hard facts in the red zone. The Seahawks look to continue their dominance away from home as they try to earn a trip to the NFC Championship game. Seattle 8-1 on the road, but now they head to a place they haven't won since 1999. And they better put on those turtlenecks because temperatures are expected to dip below freezing at the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Pass rush has been an issue, but last week the Hawks recorded seven sacks, nine quarterback hits, and 11 tackles for loss. Now Seattle had just 28 sacks during the regular season, fourth fewest, so pressuring Aaron Rodgers is a key to any defensive success. Last week, the passing game on point. DK Metcalf had a career game, seven catches, 160 yards and a touchdown, while Russell Wilson threw for over 300 yards. But the run game did struggle just 64 yards, 45 coming from the quarterback, and Seattle rushed the ball just 26 times. They'll try to establish the ground game again on Sunday against a Green Bay side ranked in the bottom third when it comes to stopping the run. The Packers' pass rush has been nasty of late and could be a major problem for a beat-up Seattle offensive line. Zadaria Smith and Preston Smith have combined for 25 and a half sacks, and remember, Russell Wilson was sacked 48 times, tied for the most in the NFL during the regular season. The Packers' offense has evolved more run-heavy, and Aaron Jones is leading the charge. He's rushed for over 100 yards in three of the last four games. He was tied for the NFL lead with 19 total touchdowns, and when he reaches the century mark on the ground, Green Bay is a perfect 5-0. and And then there's Aaron Rodgers, 26 touchdowns to just four interceptions. He has a healthy Devontae Adams back and he'll try to take advantage of Seattle's passing defense ranked sixth from the bottom. Seattle is a three and a half point underdog. They're 0-2 at Lambeau in the playoffs and haven't won in Green Bay in over two decades. All right, Olympic qualifying men's volleyball right now from the Pacific Coliseum. Huge match, Canada-Cuba. Likely uh, the winner tonight of this match gets a ticket to the Tokyo Olympics. Canada with a big block there, ties it in the first set, 7-7. A lot of BC content on this team. Creston's Gord Perrin, who is the captain with the block there, but Canada dropped the first set, 25-22. It is best of five, so still a chance to come back. Back to the NHL, Tampa Lightning looking for a 10th straight win in Philadelphia, second period. High flip into the zone, a friendly bounce for Patrick Maroon, who scores the only goal of the night. Call it a 10-game win streak now for Tampa, 1-0 the final. EPL today, first place Liverpool at Tottenham. Spurs without Harry Kane until April after undergoing, undergoing surgery on his hamstring. Liverpool yet to taste defeat in the Premiership, and they get the only goal of the match from Roberto Firmino, 
20 wins now in 21 matches. The other match was a draw. 61 points out of a possible 63. Second place, Leicester lost at home to Southampton, so the gap is now 16 points. And third round of the Sony Open from Honolulu, where the weather is slightly nicer than it is here. Kevin Kistner with the birdie putt here. He shot a 664, did have the lead for a bit. He's now one back of uh, Brendan Steele, who's at nine under. Two Canadians made the cut and have finished their third rounds. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor tied for 13th at minus four, and Corey Connors is at two under. So a couple of Canadians in the running there, and it's fun to be in Hawaii if you can and make some money while you're at it. No report for tonight. Whistler Blackcomb with six new centimeters, 13 for Grouse, Cypress 10, and Sasquatch 15. 13 new centimeters of snow for Manning Park, 10 for Revelstoke, 44 for Fernie, and 2 for Kicking Horse. 8 new centimeters for Big White, 1 for Silver Star, Sun Peaks, 6 new centimeters, and 13 for Apex. 20 new centimeters for Mount Washington, 31 for Whitewater, Red Mountain, 22, and Powder King, 12. All right, you guys. An Australian man now living in Canada is doing his part to help the wildlife suffering in his home country. It's a life-changing decision he feels is well worth it, but as Global Shelley Steves explains, it will definitely leave him exposed. Kids jumping on it, wife sleeps on it, it just gets caught in everything. Lucas Menzies' beard puts a five o'clock shadow to shame. You'd be amazed at how naughty it gets. Everybody knows me as the big bearded Australian. His foot-long facial hair that took him seven years to grow has become a big part of his identity here in Canada. I have had a spider crawl out of it. Yeah? yeah. Born and raised in Beechworth, Australia, Lucas now lives in Petty Kodiak, New Brunswick with his wife and three kids. Keeps the chin warm in these silly Canadian winters. It's hard to imagine himself without it. But it's been far harder to watch his homeland suffer through the devastating wildfires. It leaves him feeling... Pretty uh, useless, because you're stuck on the other side of the world. It's devastating. It's way too much. The animals, seeing the poor little co-ops, it's really hard to see. Feeling helpless and unable to fly back home to help. I decided to raise some money by shaving off my beard. The couple has launched a GoFundMe page. The money raised will be donated to the Wildlife Information Rescue Emergency Services in Australia. They look after all the injured wildlife and, and they're all volunteers, so it's a, it's a good cause. Do you think I should shave my beard off? Yeah. Yeah? The Clippers will come out on January 26th, Australia Day. And while they're unable to block out the devastation back home, they hope to make it a happy one. I'm really looking forward to seeing his face. Shelley Steves, Global News, Petticodiac. Yeah, that's, um, that's a big step. Good mm-hmm. for him. I love to see all these people doing what they can to help out. It's phenomenal. Yeah, people helping out. You see something like that. Every little thing you do adds up to mm-hmm. a lot. So Absolutely. It's good to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, speaking of adding up to a lot, um, tomorrow... So this evening and into tomorrow afternoon, we have snow anywhere between 5 and up to 20 centimeters. The higher amounts will be for higher elevations, and then it'll change over, ease off. Still quite windy, blustery tomorrow, and then very chilly into next week. So winter is here. Winter. Join Jordan tonight, Global News Morning, tomorrow morning. Have a great night.